All right. Well, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we are in uh, in a short series I've entitled Reboot, where we're talking about how uh, we kind of get stuck in life and we kind of spin our wheels and we don't feel like we're making very much spiritual progress, much less any kind of physical progress in life. We're just kind of in a groove that we don't know really how to get out of. And last week I started kind of a sub point or sub message underneath that talk about how we need to unplug and so this week we're going to wrap up that thought about unplugging uh, which is all kind of in this idea of a of a reboot and and we talked about last week about how Jesus did that right he did that to prepare and to process and to gain perspective and to pray and how he kind of stole time away uh, with the father it says he often withdrew to solitary places to pray uh, I've, I've been doing some uh, studying through the gospels kind of preparing for knowing faith whenever that comes about uh, I've been I've been looking at all the times that Jesus did that it's, it's a there a bunch if you read uh, if you read Matthew Mark Luke and John you're going to see how Jesus kind of made time to do that he made time to kind of get by himself and really kind of unplug from the world. And I told you last week that this kind of topic of unplugging is really twofold. It's this uh, personal reasons why we need to, that we learned uh, why Jesus did, and we kind of looked at that, and then how all the cultural reasons and the applicable reasons why we should. And so uh, this is the second half of that. This is kind of the cultural and applicable ways. And so if you missed last week, I do encourage you to go back online and watch that. It gives you a little bit of context of why we're talking about the second half of it today, but it gives you a little bit fuller of a picture. This morning I'm going to preach one verse, uh, but to do that I've got to give you some context. So if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 10. Uh, let me catch you up to John 10 where we are in the story. Jesus in John chapter 9 uh, heals a man who's blind. And you guys remember this story. Uh, he spits on the, on the ground and he makes some mud and he rubs it in the guy's eyes. Uh, and he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, right? And he's, uh, he's trying to uh, kind of give him this, this kind of big picture of I'm a healer and I, I can do all things, right? When the Pharisees hear about this, they get pretty upset. Uh, they question the man. Uh, they kind of pull him in and, and start asking questions of how this happened, how could you let this happen. They even question the man's parents. Are you sure this is your son who was blind? Are you sure he's been blind for his whole life? And they're like, yes. You know, what, do you, what do you get for this? They, as they ask the, the now healed blind man, uh, he gives them this incredible answer that is so perfect, that's so good. Uh, he, he basically said, I don't know how he did it. I just know that I once was blind, but now I see, right? He, he says, I don't know how it happens. They keep pushing, they keep pushing, and he says this, and it's so great. I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And that is just like the greatest response to the Pharisees ever because he knew that was a little jab. He knew that was a little kind of dig at them uh, because they were trying to in, in, you know, incriminate Jesus on a number of different levels. And him to say that, do you, do you want to become his disciples too? They knew at that point. They got mad. They kicked him out. They got rid of him. Get out of here. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Right? They, How dare you say that to us kind of mentality. Uh, they eventually end up meeting back up with Jesus, okay? And they're trying to incriminate him on so many different levels and trying to get him to say something he's not supposed to say and asking him, how did you do this? And Jesus goes into this teaching analogy that he carries from chapter 9 all the way into chapter 10. And he starts saying things like this. The man who does not enter by the sheep gate is a thief and a robber. And he says, I am the gate, whoever 
enters through me will be saved. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you could have life. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he says, I lay down my life only to take it back up again. He kind of goes through this teaching analogy about sheep and how he's the shepherd for a number of different verses through chapter 9 and 10. And the Pharisees finally just ask him kind of to do the point. And he says, listen, are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. Like, don't, don't try to make a teaching analogy of this. Just say yes or no. And Jesus answers them in John 10, 25. And this is what he says. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. That's powerful, right? That's a, that's a kind of an in-your-face verse and in-your-face statement from Jesus. He's told us everything that we need to know about who he is. He's proven himself time and time again, and our unbelief is rooted in our unwillingness to come underneath his authority in our life. That's, that's heavy. That's not our verse. Okay, Our verse is the next one, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what in the world does this have to do with unplugging and rebooting? But I promise if you'll just stay with me, we're going to see, I think, the very heart of our cultural issues surrounding our need for an unplug and for a reboot. And I think this tells us exactly why we need to do all these things. So let's break down this verse, this one verse. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We're going to break this down. You're going to see, I don't have points today. We're just going to let Scripture be our points, okay? And so as we walk into this, let's just read the first little section. My sheep listen to my voice, right? My sheep, that's us. If you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, not just somebody who knows about Jesus, because the Bible says the demons believe and shudder, right? This is someone who's come underneath the saving grace and the authority of Christ in our life who says, you know what? I am, uh, I am now considered a Christ follower. I'm considered a, a Christian because of the commitment that my heart has made to Jesus. We, the sheep, are to listen. Now, my undergraduate degree is in speech communication. I basically have a degree in public speaking. That's why uh, being a pastor just kind of fit right in with all that, right? Uh, I, I, I thought when I, was, uh, when I was younger, I thought I was going to be um, some kind of corporate something. Uh, I was, a, I was a, a training coordinator for a bank before I finally surrendered to be a pastor. Um, and so I taught banking classes to bankers, and it was the most unfulfilling thing in the world. It was like the most boring thing to talk about. But I, I did that for years. And so uh, God just kind of said, listen, if you're going to stand up in front of people and talk, you better talk about something that matters. And so here I am. Okay. Um, and so my public speaking degree, I go all the way back to this because it's so good. And I just got through talking to some other folks about this uh, not too long ago. When, when we talk about uh, communicating a, a thought, there's this theory in communication theory that talks about senders and receivers, right? I'm in this situation, I'm the sender, you're the receiver. I'm sending the message, you're receiving the message. Ultimately, God is the sender and we're all receivers, okay? But the thing that can disrupt that message is something that's so appropriately named noise, right? Noise interrupts the message from between a sender and a receiver. That noise can be anything. It can be a thousand different things. It can be an actual physical noise, right? If I had a horn on stage and I'm blowing a horn and you can't hear me, it's because of the noise of something physical, right? It can be a distance can be a noise. 
Right? If you're too far away from me, no matter how loud I'm trying to send a message, you're not going to be able to hear it because the distance between us is the noise that's interrupting the signal. It can be things like past experience. Past experience noise is when I've come into a close relationship with somebody and I've listened to them before I've gotten hurt. And so I'm not going to listen to that person anymore. My past experience keeps me from hearing what you're actually saying. Things like uh, emotional noise. You're too, um, you're too upset or you're too excited to actually hear what's going on. We see this play out with those goofy videos online when somebody has a fake lottery ticket. You've seen that? And they, they, they think they've won the $700 billion jackpot and they're just bouncing off the room and people are trying to go, it's a joke, it's a joke, and they don't hear them. They're like, I'm buying a new car, right? Because they're just so over the top excited. They're not listening and they're not hearing the message, right? It's a joke. And so noise can be a number of different things. It can be assumptions and expectations, right? Well, I assumed when I got married, the husband would do this or the wife would do that. It's just an assumption. But now that assumption's been turned into an expectation to somebody else, and now that expectation is not letting them hear the message. The message can, noise can be body language. Your body language, in verbal, body language can be noise. If you look at your wife, men... Tomorrow, when she gets up and you look at her and you go, you look good. She's going to hear something. But if you look at her and go, you look good, she's going to hear something completely different, right? Because your body language and the way you say it and the inflection is noise interrupting a signal. Listen, I, I played, uh, I was a drummer. I went to I played drums from elementary school all the way into college, and uh, I, I read this week that a drum line, a, a, a college drum line, operates at about 120 decibels. That's like the sound of an ambulance siren, uh, which is something that's less than, I think, five to six minutes. You're supposed to be able to hear that without having some kind of permanent damage, okay? Uh, I did this from elementary school all the way through uh, some of my college years. And so now when I'm in a loud environment, if I'm at, uh, in a room with a lot of people that are talking or if I'm at a concert or if I'm at a show, all I hear is, I hear static. I, I hear it. And so the noise of my past is now affecting when we're riding in the Jeep and I can't hear my kids talking in the back seat. And my own pride keeps me from going to get hearing aids. I just don't want to do it. Like, Jess is like, we got to get it fixed. I'm like, I'm not doing it, right? Uh, bifocals are enough for me. So the noise of my past can sometimes influence what we hear now. Here's what I'm getting at. We have to learn to filter out all the noise of culture, of compromise, of shame and fear and what ifs, the noise of our past, the noise of assumptions. And I believe, church, I'm just telling you, I believe that the biggest noise facing the church today is the noise of division. Division. Everything that culture is pushing on us is saying that we are supposed to be divided. Listen, gay, straight, Democrat, Republican, Black, white, rich, poor. You do realize that the media, and when I say media, I mean all media outlets from Facebook and Twitter to Snapchat and Instagram to uh, CNN and MSNBC and Fox News from Tucker Carlson to Geraldo Rivera. Everybody is telling, and they're all getting paid to 
put this mindset of it's us against them. It's black against white. It's conservative against liberal. And I'm going to say some things that you're not going to like, but the reality is this. Jesus doesn't love you any more than he loves a gay man. Jesus doesn't love a Republican any more than he loves a Democrat. He doesn't love Biden any more than he loves Trump. He doesn't love a conservative any more than he loves a liberal. He doesn't love a lower class white family any more than he loves an upper class Hispanic family. He doesn't love a lower class white family any more than he loves a middle class black family. Jesus loves us all the exact same and it's our job to listen to his voice, to filter out all the people who say what we want to hear. What does the Bible say about itching ears want to hear, right? To listen to the people who just share in our ideology or the people who are the loudest. Sometimes the loudest voice prevails, the voices of anyone who draws lines and the limits of God's love. We are supposed to filter out their voice. And listen to the only voice that matters. His is the only one that matters when it comes to what we are supposed to listen for and listen to. Listen, I went to the field house a couple of weeks ago. This was, I was picking up jacks from football practice, and there was a coach there, uh, an African-American uh, guy. He was sitting up there, and he said, hey, I don't even know his name. I feel bad I should know his name. He looked at me, and he said, hey, pastor, what was the message on yesterday? It was a Monday morning. And for a minute, I went, what did I preach on, right? I was like, oh, man, we talked about hope, and we talked about grace, and we talked about how we're supposed to be primary grace givers. And he said, man, that's the message that everybody needs to hear right now. He said, you know what? He said, if I listen to everything out here in the world, it tells me that I'm not supposed to like you and that we're not supposed to get along. He said, but when I read my Bible, it says we're in this together. And I said, yeah, man, you got it. You got it. Because we're listening sometimes to the wrong voice when we should be listening to what God's word said. This, this voice of division that is ingrained in our culture right now, we have, to, we have to put aside. Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, For there is neither Jew or Greek or slave or free, male or female, nor you are all one in Christ Jesus. But Matt, what if we don't agree with them? What if we don't support their decisions or their lifestyle or their beliefs? Then don't. Don't support it, but love them anyway. Don't support their lifestyle, but love the person. Because why? Because Jesus loves the person just as much as he loves you. We at once were at enemies of God, but because of his grace, we've been grafted into his family. We are able to call his children because of his grace that he's given us. We are no more worthy or no more deserving of God's love than anybody else. And when culture says that we're supposed to be against each other, we should be setting the standard as the church of what unity looks like, of what love looks like of how we can love people and disagree with them. How we can come, listen, we do this in our own, our own church circles, right? How can this church teach that or that church teach this? What if we don't agree about Calvinism or Arminian? Who cares? We can disagree about some things, but we can love each other. 
when it comes to culture and we can come to the things that we're supposed to be seeing and the world is viewing us through, we, we have to stop listening to the prevailing voices. Too many of us are listening to the voice of culture and not to the voice of God. So what do we do? How do we fix this? Well, we unplug, right? That's the most basic thing. We turn off the news. We put down our phone. We stop listening to the, what the world tells us, and we start seeking out what God says. I'm telling you, I think the most uh, important thing that we could do for our mental health, like our mental stability, is stop watching the news. Stop, stop listening to people tell us how we're supposed to hate each other. Turn off and delete Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and quit listening to what people tell you what to think and how to dress and how to act and what to believe. Quit surrounding ourselves with the doom and gloom and division and anarchy and, and stop watching endless loops of people who are living a fake life telling you that your life doesn't measure up unless your life looks like theirs. Turn it off. There's a reason there's a reason why they're called influencers. You know that? They're getting paid to influence your belief system, your spending, what you, what you purchase, what you wear. They're getting paid to influence you. Turn it off. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you guys. Know that. <laughs> so here's, here's my quick, stupid example. I deleted Facebook off my phone. I don't have Twitter, Instagram. I got rid of all that stuff a long time ago. I just don't care. But I kept Facebook because under the umbrella of, well, I need it for church things, right? And church things take up about 4% of the time that I'm on. And so I just thought, you know what? I'm going to delete it off my phone. If I need it, I've got it on my laptop. I'll get my laptop out and make a post. I'll do whatever I've got to do. But I'm not going to keep going back to it. And so you know what I do now? I play solitaire. Like I'm 100 years old. I, because my brain is like, you got to be doing something. You've like, you got to have this in your hand. If you've got downtime, you've got to be doing something. And so I am playing the dog out of some solitaire right now. And I'm trying to. Like I realize like, this, is a, this is a habit that I need to break. This is, a, this is a cycle that my body's going through if I don't have something to do. But I am playing like nobody's business. And Jessica started laughing at me this last week. She's like, what? What is going on with solitaire? I was like, it just gives me something to do. Like I'm, when I'm down, I need something for my mind just to kind of calm down and, and, and zone out too. And then I noticed this last week what she's playing, solitaire. And I'm like, yeah, like I've influenced her. Like this is the thing I'm preaching against. And so what I've, I'm doing is like this is not me standing on stage going, you're a horrible person. And I'm not saying, please hear my heart. If you watch the news or if you have social media, I don't care. That's none of my business. I'm not saying you're a bad person for it. I'm just saying, listen to the right voices. Because every outlet, every outlet culturally is, is preaching and teaching division. And I think when we get to heaven, there's not going to be black church and white church. There's not going to be Calvary Baptist and Emmanuel Baptist. There's not going to be Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians. There's just going to be the church. When you read scripture, it talks about the church. The early church didn't divide over things like race and status and wealth. They met together. 
I think we need to be the ones setting the example in that. And I think sometimes the best thing that we can do for our own head is just to unplug from the voices and listen to his voice. Let's keep reading for John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Don't, don't just brush over that. This is Jesus. This is the creator of the universe. This is the the God of all things, through all things are sustained and made, but through Jesus Christ, He knows you. Talk about humbling. I love it when Scripture talks about how Jesus knows us. All the stuff that we try to hide, all of our fear and insecurities, all the pain over our past, and all the guilt and the shame, He knows us. All the things that make us uniquely us, all the dreams that we, and the wishes that we have, all the things that make us excited or emotional. Jesus says, I know them. Psalm 139 is a, a, a very familiar psalm in the Old Testament. We all know this. This is, um, it starts like this. I'll just read it. Psalm 139, verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. If you were to keep reading that, it's when he gets into, you hem me in behind and before. Where can I go from your spirit? If I ascend to the the mountaintops, you are there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. Uh, If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You know, if I rise on the wings of eagles... Uh, Set on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. We all know those verses. And then it gets to the middle part that we quote uh, all the time for, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He knows us. Like intimately and deeply knows us. And we live in a culture where we want to be known. We want to be famous, if not just locally famous, right? We want to, we want to be the life of the party or the person that people want to be around. We want to be, we crave being known. And hear me, it doesn't mean that you have to have a big circle, but you just want a circle, right? You don't have to have a lot of people. You just want your people. But the beauty of Psalm 139 is realizing that the focus of the psalm comes after all of this fearfully and wonderfully made stuff. All, it comes after all the things about how God knows us. And look what verse 17 says. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them where I'd account them, I would out, it would outnumber the grains of sand. The focus of Psalm is understanding how well God knows us and wanting to know Him just as well. It's like King David is saying, listen, you know me, but I want to know you too. You know me, you know all this about me. And if I were to even focus on your thoughts, it would just outnumber everything. That's the thing that's most important. It's this reciprocal relationship of knowing each other. That you know me, and I want to know you. For the majority of us, the best thing that we can do for our spiritual health is to unplug from a social scene and focus on knowing him like he knows us. Some of you are so wrapped up in keeping up the persona 
that you've created for yourself that you're losing sight of who you actually are. That's why, I mean, just real talk, that's why you can come to church on Sundays, but you're drunk in somebody's shop on Saturday night. That's why when you go on vacation or if there's a golf tournament or, or if you go somewhere that's out of town, you can act however you want to with people that you probably don't even really like. So that's when it's all said and done, you are known by someone, that you have this strange connection to this. You remember that one-time kind of stories because you want to be known and you're losing yourself. You're losing yourself trying to be known by somebody all the while you're completely known by God and you just don't care. We don't care. When Jesus looks at us and says, I know you, and nobody else's opinion matters. Nobody else's thought about my life matters except his. He knows us. Sometimes we just need to get away from the crowd and focus on who really knows us best. Just keep reading. I'm almost done. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I think the biggest misconception about this topic of maybe unplugging is that it's a passive thing. That when I unplug, it's time for me to relax and recenter and kind of take a deep breath. And and fundamentally, it's about me and having some me time, right? And I don't think that could be further from the truth. Yes, we need to recenter. Yes, we need to take a deep breath. And yes, it should be a time of spiritual rejuvenation, right? We should be able to kind of take a deep breath spiritually and kind of be able to move forward. But it's never about just sitting back and doing nothing. Don't get it twisted up. When we unplug, we are committed to be an active state of following him. That we are saying, you know what, I need to unplug from these things so that I can follow you better. Jesus literally says, my sheep listen, I know them, and they follow me. This isn't some kind of spiritual retreat while we do a feelings inventory, right? I put this on the screen because it's the best way I know how to say it. We should be actively moving, seeking out, and finding God's will and following it through confession, repentance, surrender, and obedience. Those four words, confession, repentance, surrender, obedience are not passive words. They're active words. When we unplug, we are unplugging so that we can move forward in following him. We're getting out of social things. We're getting out of cultural things. We're listening to the right voices. We're kind of, we're distancing things from things that don't matter. And we're saying, this is the most important thing. And I'm going to give it all that I have through confession, repentance, surrender, and obedience. Jesus, every time Jesus called somebody he said, follow me, right? He didn't say, come and just sit and do nothing and let me take care of you. He said, follow me. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. John 12, 26, whoever serves me must follow me. Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 8, 22, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This is an active invitation of obedience. As a matter of fact, the word that Jesus uses in our verse in John 10, 27 is the Greek word, akalutheo. I know that's real fancy, but here's what it means. 
to join as an attendant, to join as a disciple or to side with his party. If you get down to the root word, it means, it's a, it's a, it's a form of the root word road. It's like, it's like we're on the same road with them. We're accompanying them on the same. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, my sheep, I know them, and they're walking with me. They're on my side of the road. We're, we're moving forward. They're accompanying me. Where in that is a passive setback cross my arms, hope that Jesus just carries me along with him. This is an active move. We retreat away. And we pray and we process and we gain perspective and we prepare like we all talked about last week. We seek his will and then we do it. Right? If you think that, that an unplug is a, is a relaxing, you know, this, I'm going to get away, I'm just going to take, no, that's not what it's about. Yes, take your deep breath. Yes, get re-centered and then move forward. James tells us in 122, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. I can't wait. We're going to preach through James in November. I can't wait for James. James is like, it's going to punch us in the mouth every week. And because he says, listen, don't just sit around and listen to what is being said. Actually do it. Because if you're not doing it, then you're not really listening to it. This is, a, this is an active motion. So I'm going to end with this and we're going to be done. The reality is that many of us know exactly what God wants us to do. We're just choosing not to do it. We're choosing to be passive. We're choosing to be disobedient. We're in a rut, but we're choosing to stay there. You know how to get out. You just don't want to put the effort into getting out. And we hope that the chaos of our lives or our schedules or our marriages will somehow cover our disobedience in knowing what God wants and our unwillingness to do it and to live it and to choose it. We just hope that we're going to get this free pass. Because we know, we know that when we watch these things or when we are plugged into these things, we know we just get frustrated and it's just pushing this thing on us that we know that we're not supposed to be. And we know what God's word says and we know how we're supposed to be living. We're just choosing to do what's easiest instead of putting in the work to really live out for him. We need a reboot. But we'd rather blame our circumstances than take accountability for our decisions. We'd rather stay stalled out and put the effort into unplugging and recentering and moving forward. Let's look at the rest of this John 10 passage and see how God cares for us. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Did you catch that? We listen, He knows. We follow, He gives. He doesn't just give us a reboot. He doesn't just give us this fresh start or this healthy outlook on life. He gives 
eternal life. This is the promise of God. It's the hope of what we believe. It's the result of sheep following their shepherd. And hear this. Once we are his sheep, once we've placed our hope and trust and faith in him, no one can snatch us out of his hand. No mistake, no rut, no disobedience, no spiritual drought. Nothing can separate you from him. And some of you just may need to hear that today. You just may need to hear that you're in a rut. You need a reboot. You're actively unplugging and you're not sure what life on the backside of a reboot looks like. You're not sure if you can live up to what God has for you or what he's called you to. Just hear me when I say... If you're his, you're his. It's nothing that can change that. Now, it's not a free pass. It's not a free pass to continue your life in disobedience, right? It's not a free, well, I'm his, I'm his regardless. I'm just going to stay in the rut. It's easier in the rut. It's an assurance that trying and failing is at least still trying forward. At least you're still failing forward. God calls us to live this life, and sometimes we got to go, you know what, I don't know that I can do this, but I'm going to try it anyway, and if I mess it up, at least he's going to know that I'm trying. That's, that's, that's really living for him. That's, none of us have this figured out. None of us have this that we're, figured, that we're living life exactly where God wants us, and we know exactly what we're supposed to do next, and five years down the road, we know exactly what we're going to be doing then. None of us know that. But we're trying, and if we fail trying, at least we're trying. It's acknowledgement that you are known. The only person who matters knows you fully and loves you completely and gives you eternal life. It's a call to listen. Listen to the only voice that matters, to filter out the noise of distraction and division and truly hear what God is trying to say. And it's a call to unplug and reboot and get back to what we know we're supposed to be doing. I'm going to ask TJ to come, and we're going to have a, just a short invitation this morning. It's been kind of more applicable, I guess, in our life today. I'm not, I'm not looking for people to be um, showing me how they're deleting social media on their phone on the way out. That's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is maybe, maybe an attentive ear to what God's really saying, to filter out what the world says, to filter out what culture tells you, to filter out what maybe even your own social group tells you, and to listen, to follow, and to be known completely. Maybe, maybe this morning we just need to maybe this morning we just need to block out the noise. Focus in on the thing that matters most and just do what he's calling you to do. Some of you know that. Some of you can't hear it because you're listening to me other things. Whatever it is this morning, I pray that you're obedient to what God's called you to. Let's stand. TJ's going to come. I'm going to pray. If you need to come forward, you come forward. If you need to pray at the altar, you pray here. If you need to talk to me, I'd love to talk to you. Don't miss this opportunity to listen and obey. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for the realities of being known, the challenge of listening and the challenge of following that God, most of all, we just come as a group of folks saying that we need you. 
We need your direction. We need your assurance. We need your salvation. We got things that we need to confess and repent. Things that we need to acknowledge and we need to move forward from. And so, Father, this week, the craziest of our week and the craziness of our schedules and our families and the, all the things that want to distract us, God, let us hear you clearly. And let's focus on your voice. God, the only way we're going to hear that is by reading your word, by being in uh, study with you and being in prayer with you. God, help us to hear you. And then, Father, help us to follow you. God, help us to do what you've called us to do. And so, Father, if there's somebody here this morning, maybe is hearing the voice of God, maybe for the first time, and they're saying, I need to be saved. God, I don't know what that even looks like. God, today's the day to figure it out. A lot of us know what we need to do. A lot of us have been listening to a lot of the wrong voices, and our blood pressure's high, and our ulcers are developing, and there's all this stuff that's just kind of stirring inside of us that we just can't find peace in. And God, it's because we're listening to the wrong things. Because with you there is peace. So, Father, as we give you the next couple of minutes, God, just speak to us. Speak clearly. And let us respond in obedience. Let us do and follow. God, because you're worth it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. You guys come as TJ sings.